I believe I've received the thumbs up that we're live. Is that, is that right? We're good to go. Well, let, hey, church, let's make some noise and let those that have joined us on live stream know that you're here. Why don't you, yeah. Welcome this morning to Marysville Church of Nazarene. Good to see you all here. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Paul, and it's good to be with you as we um, worship together, as we enter into 2021 with our second worship service of, of the year, and praying that 2021 is going to be a, a better year than 2020. And so, yeah, we hear that. I hear those hands. Just a couple things to be aware of. We do want to remember um, uh, Jim and his family in the passing of Diana, uh, and they're we have sent out the obituary, and uh, there's a visitation today and a funeral tomorrow for Diane Elam, Jim Carsey's daughter, and Lori and Terry's sister. So just remember that family in your prayers. And then also Angie Dees. Angie is the daughter of uh, Lois Elms and the sister of Phil Elms. She passed away in South Carolina. So remember that family in your prayers. Uh, it's good to be here in front of you. In your chair rack, you find uh, you can see welcome cards and connection cards. We'd encourage you to complete those, fill those out, and Communicate with the church office. You can also see the handy-dandy QR code on the screen that you can have some fun with and scan with your phone and fill that out and submit that as well. There's also the ability to do that online if you're, if you're viewing us online. Uh, we we want to hear from you. We want to hear what's going on in your life. Later on in the service or after the service, uh, you can drop the cards. You can either leave them in your chair or you can drop them in the, the giving boxes in, in the back of the sanctuary. We, we don't pass a plate, but we do believe in giving. I believe giving is an essential discipline if we're going to be Christ followers. It helps us uh, escape the tyranny of always needing more. And so we believe in giving even though we don't pass an offering. And so you, you, offering plate, you can see the, the giving boxes in the back of the sanctuary. You can also give online if, if that's the way you'd like to give. Uh, we, we will begin, be beginning some collectives, uh, some, some small group connections here in February, and there will be more details about those. I don't think we have, do we have individual slides for the, the different collectives? No, okay. So there'll, there'll be some collectives that'll begin on February 7th. And so we encourage you to, to look at the website, uh, to, to, to pay attention to the emails uh, that, that come from the church. We would uh, love to see you connect to those. We'll talk more about those later. We ready to go? Let's pray. Stand with me, if you will. Our Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks for this opportunity to worship, this opportunity to be in your house to be with um, family and friends, with uh, fellow believers in you, as we lift your name, as we lift our voices, and worship of you. Lord, help us now to respond to your spirit, to be obedient to your spirit. However you lead, Lord, uh, we want to follow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
he's worthy of praise.
There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I'll never be Another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the waters holding back the seas. Should I ever need reminded? Power been set free. There is a cross that bears a burden where another died for.
just want to tell you, church, I am so blessed by your worship this morning. I, somehow, I don't know if you know this, I'm going hard of hearing, but I can hear you sing, and it's just filling my soul in a really unimaginable way. That's not what I was going to say. I've been thinking all week about how our stories matter so much, and I know we're talking about this a lot as a staff and in this next series, but it's, it's showing in the songs that we sing, and I think we need these stories, not just as we look at our, our book that we read, hopefully every day, these stories of the men in the fire that didn't get burned, right? And the people of God standing at a sea that just split down the middle of a guy in prison because he talked about things he wasn't supposed to talk about. And it broke, broke free, right? So it's not just those stories, but I look out here as we're singing and I see your hands pop up and he was with you in that fire and he was with you in that fire. And knowing each other's stories strengthens us. Even in this place, even in this time as we're singing right now. We're about to sing a song. Um, I picked this early in the week, you guys. Um, last time we sang this song, somebody sent me a message and said, you know, I know we're not really a church to sing the woes. <laughs> But those woes really blessed me. And it got me thinking, man, I want to be a church that sings the woes. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this song, this song is saying that the woes, this is our freedom song. Because we are children of God. We can walk a life free in Him. Amen? We can sing that and shout that, church. I know historically we've been kind of a, you know, you can keep your feet, but it's okay if you move just a little bit. You know that. Yes. So we're going to start this song, singing our freedom song, just to warm us up for that part later, later on in the song. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll catch on pretty quick, okay? Here's how it goes.
all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. I feel like I haven't been here with faces in quite some time, so it's great to see you. Um, so at this point in the service uh, for the past, oh, I don't know, since pandemic, I guess, we've done a next-gen moment. And so our next-gen moment has been a way for us to kind of connect generations, right? And so uh, Mara and myself have been up here, and we've kind of uh, talked a little bit about uh, what we're talking about in the kids. But so for the past year, though, uh, what Pastor Paul has been preaching up here on Sunday mornings has tied in and has kind of been the same concepts as what the kids have been learning uh, in the next-gen zone. And so there's been this very kind of seamless way of doing these next-gen moments. Well, this year we're kind of breaking from that. And so the Sunday morning service isn't going to be the same as uh, the kids' service on uh, on Sunday mornings. And so we're changing up next gen just a little bit. And I just want to introduce that to you before I kind of jump into that first one. So again, this is just a way for us to connect uh, generations. And, and I love looking out right now in this service, especially like, in fact, why don't you do this real quick? Just look around. Notice the generations, right? And that's, and that's beautiful. Kids, teens, adults. I love it. So this is just a way where we can connect generations. And so since, since we're, we're kind of splitting off and not doing the same thing, we're going to use this opportunity. We'll still do these next-gen moments, but we're going to use them as an opportunity to kind of give you glimpses into what the kids and the teens are doing, because you guys don't get the, the opportunity, most of you don't get the opportunity to kind of see what happens over in the next-gen zone with kids or with teens. And so we want to use this moment to kind of uh, bridge that gap a little bit. So when I'm up here, I'm going to be giving you a glimpse of what the teenagers are talking about. When Mara's up here, she's going to be giving you a glimpse of what the kids are talking about. Does that make sense? Is that clear as mud? You all know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Okay. So, so the teens, uh, the teens are going uh, in the month of January. We're we're talking about well, when you start January and a new year is coming, what do you do? What do you set? New Year's resolutions, right? for at least a month, and then you give them up in February. Amen? That's, have you, has anybody already given up your New Year's resolutions? I don't even set them anymore because I'm like, January 6th, I'm done. Okay? So we set, we set New Year's resolutions. We set goals. And so for the month of January, as, as teenagers, we're going to be talking about goals. And we're going to specifically be talking about what does it look like to set God-sized goals? Not just me-sized goals, not just individual. What does it look like to set God-sized goals? And in order to do that, we're looking at the story of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah uh, had seen some great difficulties. Specifically, those difficulties were that his homeland of Jerusalem, where his ancestors had come from and were then sent into exile, the land of Jerusalem was still in shambles. The wall was still torn down. The temple had still, uh, was still in shambles. Even though people had started to move back into the town, uh, it continued to be in shambles. And so Nehemiah noticed this great difficulty. And from that great difficulty, a God-sized goal was born for Nehemiah. That goal was to go back, rebuild the wall, and then continue to kind of restore the land of Jerusalem. And that was Nehemiah's goal. It was a, it was a goal that served his community, and it was a goal that served God. Now, if we're honest, we all set goals, right? But if we're really honest, 
a lot of those goals are kind of me-sized goals, especially when it comes to New Year's resolutions. We set these me-sized goals that benefit us, and there's nothing wrong with that. Those goals are a good thing, but I believe that God is calling us to dream bigger, to set bigger God-sized goals. Now, these me-sized goals, they're kind of like running on a treadmill, right? You, you run on a treadmill, and, and, and some people can run on a treadmill for a really long time, and you can log miles and miles and hours on these treadmills, and you can burn lots of calories. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not talking about myself because I don't run on a treadmill, obviously, but some people run on treadmills, right? And they, and they can run forever, and, and no matter what you're doing on these treadmills, like this guy, um, this is crazy. Whatever you're doing on a treadmill, no matter how far you run on a treadmill, no matter how many miles you log on a treadmill, you're still at the starting point, right? You haven't made it anywhere. And these, these me-sized goals, these smaller goals that only benefit us are kind of like running on a treadmill. Like you can do lots, and the truth is that it only benefits you. It doesn't benefit other people. We believe that God is calling us Teenagers, but not just teenagers, all of us, to God-sized goals. God-sized goals are ones that are for the good of humanity. They're for the good of our community. God-sized goals are, are goals that honor God. And so it is my prayer, it's my hope, it's my desire that not just our teenagers, but our church would be a church that dreams God-sized goals and that we will make an impact on our world because of our goals. And so that's what the teenagers are talking about this month. Thank you, Pastor Josh. I love that song uh, that, that we sang about uh, another one in the fire and the roar in heaven. You know, the roar in heaven is meant to be heard in the church. You, you realize that, right? That, that this is something that's not uh, separate from us. But when we see all the craziness, all the insanity all around us, and it's a pretty crazy world right now, can I get an amen for that? That roar in the heavens is heard in the church. And the church is this place where God speaks, and in this insane, violent world, we roar out love and grace and peace and forgiveness. And so um, may we be, may we be that roar in this crazy time. Now, that's not my sermon, uh, but, but I, I felt it was appropriate to say, because I, I think sometimes we just wait for God to move, and I think God's waiting sometimes for us to move and to be who we're called to be. And um, we're called to be people of peace, grace, forgiveness, and love, of compassion, of listening. Those are the kind of people we're called to be. Now, now, how do I segue to my sermon? That's the problem. You know, we've all been in circumstances where we feel like we're connected, and we've been in circumstances where we don't feel like we're connected. Uh, you, know, we, we, you know, I can remember when, when I was in um, college, all, all the guys that, that lived in our room, there was about eight or nine of us, most of us have, had grown up together and been in the same youth group. And so it was pretty cool, you know. So there was that deep connection. We, we knew each other. And and even now, it's been a few years since I was in college. Even now, I can go back to Kansas City and we can, we can sit down and eat together. We, we may not see each other, but or I may not see them. They all still live out there, but we may not see each other, but every five or six years, we can sit down and eat together. And it's like we're still 
roommates and that we still have that connection. We've all had situations like that. We've, we've had the, the reverse circumstance, that we've been part of a group, but we don't feel like we're part of that group. Like, like you're an outsider looking in. You ever been like that, where you're in a group of people, but it's like you're observing the group instead of being part of the group? You know, that, that can happen in families. That, that, that can happen in, in school. That can happen at work. That, that can happen in church where you can be here, but not really feel like you're connected. God's desire for us is to have intimate relationships. And as we go through this series, we're going to talk about that today, but we're working through the series better together, finding identity in community. And we were created for community. We talked about that last week, that you are hardwired for community, for intimate relationships, for connection with other people. And so we began with the creation account because I believe you look at the creator and the creation account and you can see this, this need for community, this hard wiring of community within us in the creation account. And, and we began with this ideal that God calls us to an ever-expanding, ever-deepening community. And so we began with this ideal of the image of God, looking at being created in the image of God. And, and, and his image means that, that we share his characteristics and he's invited us to be stewards of this place, that God has invited us to partnership. And so in, in that image of God, he invites us to partnership. He invites us to community. And if we're going to be, live true to that identity, we invite others to partnership. We invite others to community. But within that partnering, it's not just an ever-expanding. It's, it's not just getting more names in your contact list. It's just not knowing more people on the surface. It's not just having more people over your house to watch Ohio State win tomorrow night, right? Okay? I'll get a response on that. If I don't get a response on anything else, all I have to say is, OH, crazy church. Not only is this an ever-expanding community, it's an ever-deepening community that, that we're drawing closer together. And, and another word, it's, it's kind of a scary word. And when we talked about this series with staff, uh, we, I wondered whether I should use this word because it's a word that if I use, some of you may try to go out the back doors, and it's the word intimate, that, that God calls us to intimate relationships, not only with him, but with other people. And, and some of us, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of like this. I, I'm not real open to this. this, this ideal of being intimate and vulnerable. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about vulnerable. And let me tell you, I don't like that. Can I get an amen to that? To be vulnerable, to be open, to be intimate is not natural for me. And I guess I'm being a little vulnerable in telling you that. But God calls us to intimate relationships with other people. Intimacy is a close, familiar, and usually affectionate or loving personal relationship with another person or group. And that's intimidating, but, but we need intimate relationships. And, we, and I think we'd all acknowledge that need. Intimacy uh, includes this mutual vulnerability, this openness and sharing. When we find intimate relationships within deep friendships, and, and some of you have relationships even in this body that you can think of, that's, that's, a, that's an intimate relationship. That, that's a deep relationship. 
find it in marriages. You find it in families. And intimacy should occur in the church. Intimate relationships are essential to our well-being. Now, last week we talked about the effect that COVID-19 is having on people's emotional and physical well-being. That, that isolation, isolation affects our emotional well-being. And we talked about all those things that can happen uh, from depression and, and, and uh, anxiety and, and all the things that can happen emotionally as a result of isolation and being separate from other people. It also affects us physically. There, there are physical repercussions when we're isolated. And so intimacy is important. And we see this need for intimacy in the, the creation account. And I read this passage last week, Genesis 2, beginning in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman, the rib which he had taken from the man, and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, now in this story, it's, it's really kind of interesting. Adam had purpose and vocation. He's caring for creation. He, he's naming the animals. Now, now, I heard an old Christian comedian many years ago that God took his ability to name animals when he named the fly the fly, okay? Uh, when, when he no longer was getting good at them. That joke was funnier, I guess, 30 years ago. They had vocation, caring for the animals, naming the animals. You ever been given busy work? I can remember when I was working at the railroad many years ago, that, you know, there's always gaps in physical labor, and we're standing there, and you're doing nothing, and one of, the, one of the guys came over to me, and, you know, I was a younger guy, and I was in college, and he, he kind of a very um, a colorful way told me not just to stand to do nothing, to at least pick up a shovel and move dirt back and forth, uh, if, if nothing else, to look like you're doing anything, something, right, you know, and I did it because I was a little bit afraid of him, right? You know, that kind of work. You ever had busy work? This is not busy work. In the Bible, the process of naming something is significant and sacred. Think about God and, and, and Jacob and wrestling with Jacob. And at the end of the wrestling match, God saying, you are Israel. This process of naming is significant. Significant. It matters. God is giving uh, humankind this ability to create and to be part of this sacred process, a sacred vocation. Even the most sacred purpose cannot replace our need for intimacy. Now, in our world, there's lots of things that 
that sometimes we substitute for intimacy. Sports teams, right? Browns. Did the Browns play today, Becky? Okay, so the Browns will lose their first playoff game in how many years? You know, the Buckeyes, you know, the, the Reds, the, the, the Indians, you know, the sports teams can replace or we can try to replace intimacy with others with those kind of things. Jobs, we get so occupied with our jobs that it replaces intimate relationships. Causes, ministries, my ministry does not trump my need for intimacy with others. Your job or your hobby or your passion or your cause does not eliminate your need for intimacy. Now, now Adam's surrounded by uh, other living creatures. He, he's got companionship with animals. Animals can provide companionship. We, we got several years ago, the boys found a little kitten in our backyard, and, and we adopted it. They adopted it. And uh, my three boys named this cat. Princess, uh, yeah. Thank you, boys. And so we, you know, I took the cat in, had the things you have to do, be done to the cat, and 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 the the doctor's office called me and said, uh, we just want you to know that Princess is waking up from surgery. And I'm like, and <laughs> do you need me to come get this cat or what? No, we just thought you would want to know. I really didn't. And I think of the contrast when, when Wyatt was six years old, he, he got his tonsils taken out, and, and we sat by Wyatt while he, he went under the anesthesia. And it was funny, Wyatt went into surgery talking like a bass, and he came out talking like Mickey Mouse as they took those tonsils out. But, but as Wyatt lay on that table, I would have preferred to be on the table to him. Right? That's intimacy, it's not companionship. I want to take your place. It's Adam saying, she is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. We are intimately connected. You know, I, I have, I may not seem like it, but I have a, a love of animals, and maybe you love animals, and maybe you even got a bumper sticker that says, talks about how you love your grand dogs. If I got that, I'll tell you, Terry and I have talked about that, and we've decided we want to have grandkids that don't drink out of the toilet, okay? And so we're not going to get one of those bumper stickers. No, this is uh, Kobe. This is my buddy. This was, this was supposed to be Terry's buddy. Um, she saw a golden doodle that was four or five years old, and, and golden doodles have personalities where they can be dignified or happy. <laughs> if you get my drift. And, and, and Kobe is more happy than dignified at this point. And a 90-pound happy golden doodle is a little bit hard to handle from time to time. And so Kobe's become my buddy. If, if I pick up my car keys, guess what? Kobe is in the back of the truck riding with me, just loves going wherever I go. He, he still thinks he's a lap dog. When he got fixed, in my mind, I didn't say, I wish it was me, not him. <laughs> Thank you, Reed. Uh, 
Animals can provide companionship. They can. I mean, and, and, and I, I'm, as, as I grow older, I'm growing to appreciate animals more and more. You know, I grew up in the country, and, you know, animals served a different purpose if you lived a little bit on a farm and by a highway. And so I'm growing to appreciate and believe God appreciates the animals. But intimacy is more than companionship. You know, Adam was perfectly created in the image of God, in perfect creation. And yet, even though he was perfectly created, it was not good. He needed intimacy. The, the need for intimacy is not weakness, but an essential part of our created identity. See, we find intimacy in friendships and, 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 and marriages and and, 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 and in families and, and, and churches as well. The church is intended to be a place where intimate relationships are formed. In the Bible, the church is referred to as family. The church is referred to as the body of Christ. The, the, the church is referred to as a building implying essential connection in the image of the church in Acts 2, 42-47, you find the church eating together, learning together, worshiping together, sharing life, deep friendships. Paul writes in, to the Galatian church in, in Galatians 6-2, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah, growing up in the church, I believe I experienced that in church, and I believe I experienced that in this church as well. We could get better, but I believe I experienced that in this church. But I can remember particularly growing up in the church, and, and I grew up in small Nazarene churches. And all the older men and older women were grandma and grandpa. <laughs> the only problem with that is now, I'd be one of those grandpas, and I don't know if I'd like that too much. Called everybody brothers and sisters. Anybody grew up in a church where everybody was brother and sister? Sometimes that's just because we can't remember their names. That's okay. As I listen to these verses, and I think about the churches I grew up in, and, and how God values the church. You, you understand the church is not man's ideal, but God's ideal. This is God's community that he has created. It's meant to be this place of intimate relationships. Forgiveness has to be generously given. Can I say that again? In a divisive time in the church, forgiveness is generously given. Love is free. Compassion abounds. Listen to this verse. This is Peter talking to Christians how they should relate to one another. In 1 Peter 4, 8-9, Above all, keep fervor in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. This is the call of the church. A call where intimate relationships can occur. Even living this way and living in a church, not every relationship will be intimate in this place. You can't possibly be intimately connected with everyone in the body, it, particularly as churches grow. It's, it's impossible. Some relationships 
will be more natural. And, and these natural relationships where you, you share common goals, where you share common interests, where, 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 where it's like you're, you're two brothers from another mother or two sisters from another mother, however you want to phrase it, that, that when, you, when you, you share these interests, your, your friendships, your intimacy will just grow naturally. But there's also providential relationships within a church. And all of us have experienced this. These relationships where the friendship would not have occurred but for the fact that you share this value of Jesus Christ. You don't listen to the same kind of music. You root for the Indians instead of the Reds. Right? You're not naturally connected. I think the disciples are a good example of this. You find in this group that Jesus brought together, you have a mixture of natural and providential relationships. You have John and James who are brothers. Peter is a fellow fisherman. And then you have Matthew, this tax collector. Yet I believe somehow they developed intimate relationships by being together and doing life together. You realize Every church, hear me, every church is friendly to some. You realize that, right? That, that every church, if people have remained in the body, most likely they have remained in the body because they have perceived the church as friendly. So oftentimes in the church, all we hear is how friendly we are because the people who stay had natural connections and friendships developed. And if there were not natural connections and they did not uh, develop intimate relationships, then they go somewhere else and the voice is not here saying, hey, it's not real friendly. You understand that? So most churches have this assumption of friendliness because the people that are there have been able to, to make the connections necessary to develop intimate relationships. To be a connecting church. To, to be the church that God is calling us to be, we have to move past the easy and the natural and recognize providential relationships as well. That, that God is at work in this relationship and God is wanting to do something in me through an intimate connection with this person or in that person through an intimate connection with me. See, the church is intended to be a place where providential relationships are nurtured. Now, this should be a reality check for, for not just our church, but every church. We're not fulfilling the call when we respond to only naturally easy relationships. When, when we ignore providential relationships, it, it hurts, hurts not only those that God is trying to place in our midst, to connect and grow, but it hurts us as we lose that diversity that others bring to the body. Those different perspectives, those different gifts, those different ways of viewing the world. In the church, God uses intimate relationships with those who may be different than ourselves to expand our perspectives and move us beyond ourselves. Can we all acknowledge 
if you can't, then, then you can just shut off the rest of the sermon. Can, you all, can we all acknowledge that there's room for growth in all of us? God sometimes uses those providential relationships to move us outside our own perspectives and allow us to see things in a deeper, broader way. Last week, we, we talked about that we needed to allow for an ever-expanding community. And I suggested that we needed to love beyond labels. This week, we're trying to move deeper into the relationships in this place. In other words, we're, we're, we want others to feel connected and involved and welcome here. But as we welcome others, we also want to deepen those relationships as God calls us to, as God wants to. Will I be faithful to the relational opportunities in our church? Quite simply saying yes to the opportunities as God nudges you. We go back to the disciples. Jesus brought them together. And they were willing to be together and to be vulnerable and to be open. And they shared life. And in that sharing of life, as I'm thinking about the disciples and their diverse backgrounds, I, I just kind of have a feeling that they had some different viewpoints. And as I think about the disciples and, and their willingness to share, I can't even imagine at some points they shared those viewpoints. And in the sharing of their viewpoints, there may have even been disagreements different ways of viewing the world, but somehow Jesus brought them to intimacy. That they saw that connecting point, and I believe probably as years went on, they began to see the value even in others' perspectives. You know, I'm not asking you, and this is important, I'm not asking you all of a sudden to become a raw nerve to everyone. Everybody breathe out. Thank you. Just simply be available. As God presents opportunities to connect others, you, you won't be so caught up in the natural and the easy relationships that you fail to move on the providential relationships. That is the importance of collectives. That's why we'll do Sunday school and different things like that. Because in this setting, it's possible to come in and sing a few songs and, 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 and hear a sermon and pray and go out and just naturally gravitate to those easy, natural relationships, those people that you already know. But in, in collectives, in Sunday school classes and, and the collectives that are going to be starting in February, it, it'll put you with other folks. Now, now, the topics in these collectives, we're going to talk about marriages, we're going to talk to a Bible study, there's going to be a financial uh, piece. There's three this time, right? There's three collectives that will be available. We're doing the Dave Ramsey. Josh is teaching a class on the Bible, and then uh, Amy is leading a class on marriage. And all these are going to have valuable information. The content will be well worth it. But the secondary purpose is this that perhaps in that space, God will put you into contact with someone 
that maybe the relationship is not natural or easy, but it's providential. And in that providential relationship, God is calling you to a deeper connection with someone that's going to add value to your life, and you're going to add value to their life. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. How do I respond? Well, if you want to be part of a collective, I'd encourage you to take the time to, to either fill out a card and drop it in the box or leave it on a chair. I'd invite you to, to, to sign up uh, online. There'll be ways to sign up online. But I think it begins with prayer. Pray with me. Lord, help us to be um, intimate with others. Help us to be intimate with you. Help us, Lord, to be willing to see those providential relationships. Lord, I've been in the church my entire life. And I've seen it over and over. And Lord, I understand that there's these natural, easy relationships that sometimes occur in the church. And it's possible for those relationships to grow so deep and, and so real that oftentimes, Lord, we miss the opportunity to allow others to join our circles. So I pray, Lord, that this place will be shaped by your vision, by your purpose. That, that we'll understand, Lord, and see that there's others in this place that you have placed here for such a time as this, for us to walk with them, to draw closer to them, not only to their betterment, but to improve our perspectives. Lord, I give you thanks for a church, for a place to gather. I give you, I give you thanks, Lord, for, for what I believe is, I, I believe that we're coming to the end of this time of quarantine and separation. And Lord, pretty soon, things will be closer to normal. But in our normal, Lord, may we always allow you to move. May we always allow you to connect us in deeper and better ways. Now, Lord, we give you praise. We give you thanks. You're good all the time. And we will trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.